Hi, and welcome to Security Explained. I'm Chris Grayson. I'm Drew Porter. And I'm Logan Lamb. We're coming to you every two weeks with tips and tricks on how to protect yourself and your loved ones out there on the internet and in real life. Welcome. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about something that I think you you could make a pretty strong argument, (laughs) may not be all that uh, interesting in many cases because we're talking about compliance, Um, but... Logan and I have been messing around with some some stuff recently and have a, a, a pretty deep interest in GDPR and CCPA, basically two of the biggest pro-privacy regulations that currently exist. Um, and so today we're going to talk about what these regulations are, um, what they mean for you, are you protected under them, and what you can do with them, and kind of like a bit about our experience thus far interacting with them, which I think has been a little lackluster. <laughs> a little yeah. a little lackluster is the way to put it. Um, yeah. Yeah, we haven't gotten what we had hoped for. And I guess it's not really that big of a surprise. Drew um, currently does not live in a place that is protected by either of these regulations. So he's just kind of... Nope. This I'm, guy. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a nomad, man. You know? <laughs> and VPN we trust over here. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, it says you're coming from Switzerland. I had no idea you were in Switzerland. Also, I just want to say that uh, compliance and privacy, I think it's hot. I think it's cool. I think it is. I just like anytime that we're talking about like, let's talk about regulations. I don't think at, in the history <laughs> of regulations, there's a very specific kind of person that is really into like talking about regulations. And I feel like I don't really fit that mold. But this stuff is, I I, I, I agree. I fit I, <laughs> Anything that is pro-privacy um, and kind of like pro-consumer protection is worth pushing for and worth growing and worth investing more in. Absolutely. So, so I, how should we kick it off? I, I mean, we can let, let's start with what these actually are. And um, Drew, why don't you tell us what GDPR is? Yeah. So GDPR was a set of regulations that came around in Europe, and everyone started freaking out about them. It's the um, uh, dealing with, it it was really, I think, the first law that came into place that the tech companies kind of had to respect. (laughs) 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 Gotta show that respect. Respect on that name, man. (laughs) (laughs) They had to uh, respect and uh, it, it, I I don't think it's had the impact that everyone thought it would have, Um, though there are some people who have definitely tried to do it. But basically, it says if you're a European citizen and you tell a company, hey, I want all the information you have on me, um, they have to give it to you. And then if you say, I want you to delete all the information on me they have to do it within a particular timeline. And then if you go back, let's say, you know, many months later and you're like, hey, show me all the information that you have on me and they have data on you still that is outside of like your name or um, uh, things that they would get from you visiting their site temporarily, then there's a whole slew of problems that can arise for that company. And it does have a little bit of teeth into it, and that's why the tech companies have to respect it. Uh, but it's basically a uh, European um, privacy law that says that the users should be in control of their data instead of the tech companies to do whatever they want to do. And I say tech companies, it's really any company, but really it's the tech companies that people were most worried about and most focused on when this law was being developed. Yeah, and it's also worth noting that we are three uh, Americans, and so our our at least within this group, our understanding of CCPA is going to be a bit more complete and and accurate than than GDPR, uh, just due to the fact that this is the one that we've been dealing with the most. Uh, but mm-hmm. to, to to Drew's point, this is the first significant, meaningful piece of pro-privacy legislation that has rolled out. Um, and it protects every uh, citizen of the European Union. Um, and there's like the right to be forgotten, uh, which is to say like you have to delete all, all of my data. You can like download all of your data. And then there's also, you know, when when Drew mentioned that there's teeth to this thing, 
if I recall correctly, the teeth in question here are if you are found to be in violation of GDPR. Um, they, oh, the, one other thing with GDPR is there is there are reporting rules. So if you find that you have been breached, there's a timeline uh, upon mm-hmm. which you have to be disclosing that to your uh, to your consumers, anybody that was potentially affected by the data breach. And so if you fall out of compliance with GDPR, um, you are subject to a pretty significant fine. Um, I don't know if this has actually happened yet, though. And I think this is this is this is one of the places where um, folks that aren't happy with how GDPR has gone, this is one of the things that they'll point to is that like, yes, it's got teeth, but those teeth haven't bitten anybody yet, despite the fact that there have been multiple clear violations of GDPR. Um, and I think the 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 fine schedule is either twenty million dollars or four percent of yearly revenue whichever one is higher right and there have been companies that have been fined actually so amazon got fined for yeah over 800 million dollars um i think that was in 2020 um yeah there's a list of huge fines that have happened since 2019 Um, but okay but 800 million dollars that that's a pretty penny, but okay. So what what does that what does that boil down to? Twenty five times eight hundred million dollars is their yearly revenue. Does that track? Yeah, I don't I don't know how you know I don't know how the Amazon business numbers look like at the end of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. Because remember, you can make your your net revenue nearly look like zero for yep. a business, and, and this is what business pay accountants for is exactly mm-hmm. to make it look like zero. Um, yep. And so maybe it's it's based off of $800 million is based off of, you know, what their net revenue was. Um, yeah. Or it's so. like some division of Amazon that is specific to Europe or right. who, who knows? Who knows? But mm-hmm. the, like that still that feels low to me in terms of that would basically be putting the revenue at somewhere around $20 billion a year. And well, I have to imagine that that, that does well, feel low. But, you know. We're Americans and comparing that sort of a fine to like what the SEC levies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll yes. take it. You okay, know? okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. I but think I, the, the one that's odd for me was Google was fined um, like $56 million. I was like, wow, $56 million for Google? Ooh. Like how? Like, yeah. Yeah. They got some good accountants. That's how. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually not a profitable business. Um so, so yes, yeah, so the, the GDPR is this body of privacy regulation that is pro-consumer and is, and is trying to make it so that like you as consumer, you own your data. And this is pretty important in the age of surveillance capitalism where so much of what happens online is we're going to give you some tool that you can use for free when in actuality the data off the back is is what they're using to power other products or they're selling that data directly or the you know ad tech, all these different things. Um, it is one of the you know, it is one of the fronts that we have in, in what I would say is the losing battle against surveillance capitalism um, that, that that we're presently seeing. We probably uh, should have led on our opinions of surveillance capitalism, but people can figure it out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. episode. We, we, we can do that right now. I mean, if they've listened to other episodes, they definitely should know. Be pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think privacy is a luxury good in today's world. Yeah. That many cannot afford, and it yep. should not be that way. Yeah, yep. right. Yep. I think that's a that's a good summarization. Whether or not the fines have meaningfully changed business behavior, though, I think is something that we we can talk a little bit about because you know we have all worked at companies where we've seen that it's like oh, there's now like data deletion requests coming in, or there's like functionality that we have to build for. Hey, we need to now package up all of this data and give it to this user. So the the various things that have had to happen in order for companies to be in compliance, like there's absolutely new technical controls that enable you to have better access to your data. Um, but there are a lot of shortcomings with this, which you know, I don't want to I don't want to categorize this as a failure. It's like yes, we made a good first step, but now that we've seen the way that companies have. I guess like retaliated or basically shored up their flanks to make sure that like this isn't actually going to impact them in any real meaningful way. Uh, we need to iterate upon it. Like one of one of the one of the examples here is um, 
when it comes to the user data that you actually have to package up. So let's say that that I am a consumer of some specific service and I say, hey, I want I want I want to download all of my data. Um, mm-hmm. Determining what actually needs to be included in that bundle of data. I, as as far as I'm aware, there is not a rigid set of instructions to say like this is the data that qualifies for data uh, data downloads. And there's all sorts of, like, yeah. for instance, let's say that there's all this user data that's generated and collected, and it's used to train machine learning models. Well, you can't untrain those machine learning models. You can't tell those machine learning models like, well, just forget about this particular user. To, I guess to the best of my knowledge, I, I don't I don't pretend to be a, a machine learning expert, but um, <laughs> there is the like. Yes, there's a bunch of data. There's probably a bunch of data that was collected about you that is not necessarily PII and is probably not included in the download your data request. And all that data has been fed into algorithms to train them in a way that can get you to do things. Uh, and the data is never going to be removed from those from those models either. Yeah, and I, I think that is the most important part when it comes to a lot of these privacy laws is how do you... I mean, th- there is no provision that I know of that says if this data was used for a training model for machine learning or if this data uh, was used to make neural nets in AI, you have to take it out. Um, I think really it's like, uh, I mean, it's a, it's good legislation and obviously they are acting on it at some level, but I think from a grand standpoint, when it comes to how we use data today in corporations, and especially large corporations, it's kind of like, well, that's fine. We had your data for 30 seconds. We ran it through, you know, four models. Um, yeah, we didn't run it through 100 models, but we got it for what we needed. And most people aren't going and, um, you know, selecting don't collect any data on me. Uh, when they're going to a lot of sites, a lot of times you see like a little cookie banner. I accept all cookies. Yeah. yeah. And people are just like, uh, get this thing away from me. And though it says, you know, see options, no one like, I mean, I click on that, but I've seen plenty of people in my own family. They're just like, accept all because it's yep. an option that looks highlighted and it makes the banner go away right away. Right. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it's, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of other people where this law you know, does affect in, in Europe that are clicking accept all. And then, you know, at the end of the day, they're not doing a uh, request to have all that data deleted. Um, now, there are, there are what I like, what I like to see in companies is the ones that are like, that just say like, use bare minimum as like an option. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to click that one, right? They are still collecting some data on me. They're, they're collecting browser time, um, you know, my browser type, my time. Other things like that, um, which I believe you can request to be deleted as well, but they're uh, you know they're 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 doing the opt in instead of the opt out approach, which I always like to see in businesses. Yeah. Unlike Verizon Wireless, who just recently opt everyone in into a very <sighs> spooky surveillance setup. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we we should call that out. Um... For people unaware, you, you need to Google about this new Verizon data collection and yep. figure out how to yep. opt out. Yep. It's very creepy. Yep. I recently opted out myself. <laughs> it's like, like what I, what really angers me is like small business lines got opted into this as well. Ooh. It was just like it wasn't just like personal. It was like small business lines. I'm like, why? What? Why Verizon? I mean, I get it. You know, but because they want all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why not? It's, yeah. it, <laughs> it, it reminds me when Verizon was trying to get the DOD contracts, um, like in the early 2000s. And because everyone was like, oh, AT&T is evil. They're, you know, like the NSA's backdoor into everyone's pocket. And then people were like, yeah, I'm switching to Verizon. I'm like, wait, Verizon's trying to get those contracts. <laughs> and, and full disclosure, like uh, I have one of my phones is a Verizon phone, right? So, but... I, uh, it was like <laughs> Verizon is literally giving the government everything that they want for free right now so that they get the contracts later on. And, you know, it worked for them. They, they did get the contracts, um, by selling out a ton of their users. So we should, we could probably go off on a tangent for the entirety of this conversation <laughs> talking about the various yeah, companies that have that. done despicable things, um, yeah, with, with, with respect to like user privacy, uh, 
and that that whole Verizon debacle is 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 pretty wild. But so we, we've talked a little bit about um, GDPR, and so let's let's switch things up a little bit and talk about CCPA, which is the thing that Logan and I have been um, kind of like prodding and and looking into a little bit. And the CCPA uh, is the California Consumer Privacy Act. And it is a something like GDPR inspired pro consumer protection and pro consumer privacy piece of legislation that protects everyone that lives in the state of California. Um, and and in, in saying that, there's there's one thing that we should also recognize about GDPR is that one of the important outcomes of GDPR is that it kind of like gave a framework for a lot of other um, you know regulatory bodies or legislations to start shaping their own, sorry, legislations, legislators to start shaping their own legislation that is pro-privacy. So like, look, GDPR, not perfect by a long shot, but I will say like when GDPR first came out, I was pretty surprised and impressed that something like that could actually happen in the face of, you know, as an American, something like that could actually happen in the face of these like ultra powerful uh, technology companies. And I don't think that we would have the CCPA without the GDPR. So the CCPA it is also has even less teeth uh, as compared to GDPR. Um, so as a consumer, you have the right to know, you have the right to be forgotten, and you have like, this, there's this one other right, but basically it's like uh, the right to opt out. The right to opt out, yeah. You have to show me the data that you've collected about me. You have to enable me to not, that, that, I can basically say you have to stop collecting data about me and I can download um, the data that's been collected. Um, and <laughs> I think of all the of all the complaints that I will have about the CCPA, if you go to the website that gives you information about the CCPA, um, I'm looking at it right now. It says general information about the CCPA. And one of the questions is, what can I do if I think a business violated the CCPA? And the first sentence is, you cannot sue businesses for most CCPA violations. You can only sue a business under the CCPA if there's a data breach, and even then, only under limited circumstances. So, yes, there is. Like, like, from, from my understanding, basically, if you're having issues with a company fulfilling their obligations to the CCPA, you can refer it to the California Attorney General. And that's the extent to which you can, you, you can seek some sort of resolution. Seek some sort of resolution, yeah. There's got to be a better way to do it. Like before we started recording, uh, I just couldn't believe that the CCPA was this week. So Chris yeah. had to send me the link and we looked it up. I mean... Yeah, well, it. I mean, f f from, a, from a legislative perspective, it makes sense, right? Um, and the reason why it makes sense is because the businesses are the ones that are pulling the strings, especially in California where you have, um, once you're elected, you have a huge swath of support from tons of businesses that are coming in. And so, they, they don't want to make it so that businesses have to deal with, uh, you know, a whole bunch of needless lawsuits. They're not needless, but that's how the business would see them, right? Mm -hmm. So, the business was just like, hey, uh, state senator, you know, it would be cool. It'd be really, really cool if you didn't allow random people to sue us. <laughs> yeah. And the state senator is just like, huh, I don't know. I can still see you in this conversation. And then the business is just like, okay, so we know we have to pile the money up this high before they accept our <laughs> offer, right? So, <laughs> so uh, th that's why I said it made sense in that, in that standpoint. And uh, I, I can also see this for a, uh, as like a starting ground, right? View this as like a first try type of legislation that went to California. Mm. It, it's yeah. still a win that it exists. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I'm sure eventually there will be provisions that are added to it or, or, you know, CPAAA or whatever, right? Um, that will be, they'll, they'll come up with a better name actually. Right, it will be like HIPAA was the first one, and then high tech sounds so much better. What's the second one? Everyone better. wants to be high tech, right? So <laughs> always, always uh, uh, I want to be metaverse, man. <laughs> oh, so they're gonna, they're, yeah, they're 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 gonna come out with the MPCA or whatever, right? The Metaverse Protection Act. <laughs> um, but uh, they'll w with with all that, 
I think this is a good first step. Even though it doesn't give everyone everything that they want, I think this is a first step that will allow for other legislation to come in afterwards that will have more teeth assigned to it. And uh, that's what I hope. Um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think this is a first step because this is a huge, huge uh, bump in security or in privacy, sorry, for people in California. And I think we'll start seeing other states adopt this. Um, and then um, we'll see another revision come out and then more states will adopt that. But now we're talking, you know, we're, we're not talking like next year, right? We're talking three, five, uh, where are we at? Six years from now, right? Um, so, uh, actually, the, the actual exact numbers will be two, four, and six uh, years from now. Uh, we could see another provision that's made that's, that provides actual, what we'll call the weapons that people can use to protect their privacy. Yeah, the, I think it's, the, it, it's a good point to make is, um, you know, anything is better than nothing. You know, that, that said... This has also motivated the companies that are most likely going to be in violation or going to be most impacted by this legislation to start arming themselves. Like you can, there was a there was a piece that I think was in Forbes. I'm not in, I'm not in, I'd have to pull it up, but basically it was a maybe it was Reuters about how um, Amazon has its own basically arm of lobbyists who they are sending out to inform good privacy legislation where they're effectively just like, because if I had to guess the reason that you're unable to sue a company for um, failure to comply with the CCPA, that wasn't because individuals were asking for that. That's probably because a lobbyist was pushing for it to, to Drew's point of like, yes, we're going to stack this money, money between us and, and, and impact this legislation. And so the companies are, kind of like the, the way that they are now approaching this, especially companies where it's like, look, surveillance capitalism is our bread and butter. The way that we make money is we collect data about people and then we sell products based on that data um, or we sell that data directly. It is an existential threat to their business model um, when you are, when you're having this sort of legislation, especially if you enable consumers to actually have meaningful, meaningful routes to come back after the company for failure to failure in, in, in compliance. Um, so you see these big companies now going the lobbying route of like, well, no, we're pro-privacy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, well, well we collect all this audio data <laughs> through Alexa and stuff, uh, but we're very much pro-privacy. We're just pro-good privacy legislation. We don't, we don't want it to be bad privacy legislation. And well, so we won't share this help. data with anyone outside the company. It's just yeah. ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't matter that your company is 100,000 plus employees strong. Um the ante has been upped, the stakes are higher, and the companies that are most at risk from this legislation are actively working on um, like defanging future privacy legislation. Um, so yes, it's, it's good that we are here. It's better than if we didn't have anything. Um, but there has been a good amount of pushback on the part of the companies that are going to be most affected. Uh, to help shape future privacy legislation so that it doesn't really meaningfully prevent them from continuing down the path that they have already chosen. So before we uh, get this new privacy legislation passed, uh, we need to demonstrate that the CCPA is providing value to citizens, right? And we may not be able to sue the companies. We may not have legal recourse, but with the uh, right to know and right to delete, we, we can provide more visibility into the nasty things these companies are doing. It, or if they're doing anything, you know, we would take issue with at all. So we can do this uh, information discovery, bring it to the public, and then hopefully that'll help us inform what should be in the next revision of the law. Yep. Now, yep. And that's... Oh, go for it, Drew. Yeah. How... So, so this is enacted in California. It's, it is a law in California right now. Have you tried requesting this stuff from any companies? Or because I, I can't do anything, right? So um, <laughs> here, you know, in, in Arizona we have freedoms. We just don't have privacy. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't. We don't have the 
talk about that in detail right now. Uh, <laughs> we're focusing on California now. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the uh, have any of you tried to request the information that companies have on you? Like, have you contacted Meta and been like, "Yo, what's up? Let's see, yes. let's see all the dirty dirt." Yes. Yeah. So. But before we compiled a list of companies we should send CCPA targets to, I know I sent one to LexisNexis. Uh, didn't you send one to <laughs> Facebook? I So I downloaded my data from Facebook. Um, I've also got one from Google. I have, uh, I have a token from Axiom that I haven't actually dug into yet. I think it's Axiom, but it's one of the big data brokers. Um, so I, so I have some access to some stuff. I will say, so I, so I got the token in the mail and like signed into this portal and it the it was like it really wasn't even providing me with information. It was like, oh yeah, we've sold your data to these like companies at these times. If you want data about your data, you got to click here, and then we'll compile this other report. And it's just like, yeah, yeah seriously, yeah. like, you know, and it'll take a few days for <laughs> us to compile. Um, actually, you know what? I'm realizing right now that I got another email back from Axiom that I haven't actually taken action on. So you keep talking, and I'm gonna log into this. Yeah, I'm looking at my uh, CCPA inbox right now. And one of the things that I'm experiencing going through this process so far with about like maybe a dozen companies is that the ball rolls very, very slowly. Um, Even after you do your request, you might hear something back within is 45 days the limit specific to CCPA uh, upon initial outreach. Um they have to confirm that they receive the communication. So I think that that's one of the loopholes that they're using. It's like, oh my God, it fell through the cracks. We never saw it. Um, but they have to respond within 45 days of confirmation. And they have the ability to, through their, they can basically say like, give us another 45 days. And that just like automatically bumps up the timeline for when they have to respond to you by, by another 45 days. So you send the mm-hmm. email or you send, you send the communications, they acknowledge receipts. They have to respond within 45 days unless they request an additional 45 days. Yeah, I mean, um, as an example, I sent a CCPA request for right to know to a data broker on December 1st, and I just got a response from them three days ago, which I need to look into. So I'm downloading my Axiom data right now. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I haven't gotten any data yet that I've found to be very juicy, which is unfortunate. It'll happen in time. Otherwise, oh like, oh, what is the point of this exercise? <laughs> oh, interesting. What? Did, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just looking at, um, I'm looking at the PDF that I just got sent from, from Axiom. This is the sort of, <sighs> I need to take the time to actually, like, look through this more deeply before coming to, I see all of my addresses all the way through mm-hmm. my childhood i see my mom's address i mm-hmm. see um do, 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 i see my phone number i see every email address that i've had and what's interesting is they're showing a bunch of identifiers that i think are advertising identifiers i see ip addresses um i see my age i see my salary I see. You see your salary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which which company is this? This is Axiom. So this is the, one one other thing that's worth that's worth uh, pointing out. Some some other stuff that's interesting on the privacy front, at least in the United States. Um, this the uh, states of California and I think Vermont actually require data brokers, which I don't know what the qualification is for being a data broker for these different for these different states. Uh, but if you are a data broker, you are required to register with um, the state. And so it turns out that on the California Attorney General's website, there's actually a uh, database of here's all the data brokers, all the businesses that, that you know, potentially impact consumers in the state of California that qualify as data brokers. And so... <laughs> You can download it as a CSV file and you can do the same thing for the state of Vermont. So that's one of the things that we did is like give us the list of all the existing data brokers. And initially we were thinking, well, let's just automate the process of sending emails to all of these. Uh, yep. But it seems as though one of the one of the defensive measures that a number of these companies take is just like they're going to draw out the process. 
They're going to um, ask for specific, like really specific details. They're going to say, you need to go fill out this form. Um, it is not easy to do at scale presently. Um, so you have to pick specific yeah. targets and be like, yes, I'm, I'm significantly invested enough in getting data from this specific target that I'm going to go through the process. Uh, I had a data broker uh, when I contacted them, they provided me with instructions on how to submit a request through their official channels. And when I followed the link, clicked through and looked for this submission form, it just did not exist. <laughs> so there was no official channel. And um, yeah, there's just all sorts of wonky stuff in the process. Um, one of the data brokers uh, provided me with a an authorization token I could use that would expire within like 30 days to download my information. And of course, I downloaded the information in that time. But I also tried to use the token a couple of weeks afterwards, and it was still effective. So mm. this is such this is such bullshit. Like <laughs> I'm looking through this document. So this is this is the this is another tactic that they take. Like we need better legislation specifying what needs to go into these documents because a company can be like, well, we gave them the PII, right? We gave them the data that we have on that user. But it looks like in this Axiom report. I'm getting, there's this big list of all of these just like nonsensical identifiers. And if I look in the uh, description of what these are, person doc ID refers to an Axiom internal identification numbering process, which Axiom uses to connect link, uh, to connect or link a group of related records internally for Axiom's own internal processing purposes. Okay. So let me get this straight. You're telling me the identifiers that you're using to correlate all these documents you have about me, but you're not giving me the documents. This is the state of what it what it means to get data back from these data. And and for 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 the uh, uninitiated, Axiom is this really wild um, data broker where like one of their marketing slides um, was released, and they they have all these things about like here's all the data that we have about people, and like one of the data points that they reference is somebody's inclination to use tobacco. Like that's the level of insight that they're trying to derive about. I've never interacted with this company. I have never given them permission to collect any of my data. I have never given them permission to like spy on me. Yet they know my social. They know where I have lived since childhood. They know where I currently live. They know my salary. They know the things that I'm into. And they have an array of documents available that they're not providing to me because it's like, oh, it's for internal processing only. And that's the... That should, I think that should be the next front of like, look, if it's metadata about me, if it's other documents you got about me, it is now required for you to be compliant with this sort of data request. You have to include those documents as well. Despite the fact that Axiom knows all that about me, the entirety of what they gave me is a 22 page long PDF. And I get the, it, it, I also request, I also requested to know who have you sold my data to? Um, and what data did you sell to them? And here's the, here's the level of specification that they provide. And again, this is required to be compliant. To companies in following category, services-professional, the following types of data have been sold. Personal identifiers, personal characteristics, personal property, buying activity and interest, internet activity, geolocation, employment information, education information, inferences. Not who'd you sell them to? Not what were those inferences? Not any of that stuff. It's just like, yeah, we basically sold a complete profile of who you are to like these random companies, and we're not going to tell you who they are and what that data was. It's uh, this it's is such garbage. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is why we need better legislation, and this is why we need legislation that enables individuals to directly go after um, enterprises like this. Like th th there's a whole surveillance capitalism industry. And it's growing. Like it's not as if it's it, it's shrinking at all. That is what we want to do. Is we want to collect information about everybody we possibly can, and then we're going to uh, sell products based on that information. Um, whether that's like we're going to go directly to them and try marketing specific things to them, or we're going to sell this data to third parties, or we're going to try to influence human behavior by uh, being like, "Hey, I know you're currently near this shop, and this shop has ice cream, and you like ice cream. I'm going to push a coupon to your phone." To uh, to be like, cool, you should you you get twenty percent off to go get this ice cream. Like this, it's all bad. It's all varying degrees of bad. But shit like this from this company is the people that engage in this sort of business should be locked what, up. What did you get back? What did you get back from LexisNexis, Logan? 
Was it just a document that says yes, right? Like, <laughs> I'd uh, like to see all the information you have on me. So, <laughs> yes, um, we have it all. <laughs> uh, pretty much. One of the things I want to do, like, after we finish recording is I'm going to submit a response to that same company and diff it with my response from LexisNexis and see what it's like. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure we can... Well, maybe we should scheme off camera, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are some things we can do. <laughs> I have, yeah. and this is this is one of the reasons that we were motivated to talk about this today because I think like on the let, let's get into the spicy bit of like, are we not yes, spicy yet? T- t- I mean, I guess we're already pretty spicy. But <laughs> it, 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 like talking about regulations is is somewhat boring. But talking about like the right of humans to maintain privacy is. Um, in my mind, it's an essential human right. Um, companies do not have the right to take that away from you. They do not have the right to build massive industries on selling your privacy. Um, and that's where we currently find ourselves. And we're, we're currently like on the, we're currently in a losing battle as a consumer uh, dealing with this. And it's because there is not meaningful legislation. Like I don't, the economic incentives are never going to line up to prevent companies from doing this. Like ad tech is too big. Uh, the only way that we could expect this sort of stuff to be meaningfully remediated, it's going to have to rely on legislation and it's going to have to rely on legislation that gives power to the individuals that are being impacted by this, whether that's forming class action lawsuits, whether that's directly going after a company. Because I'll tell you, I'm a Verizon customer. I saw the thing talking about how, oh yeah, Verizon is collecting all this crazy data on you now and they automatically opted everybody into it. And so I sent a CCPA request to Verizon that was over 45 days ago now. I've heard nothing back. Uh, so I would love to know what that data is. I would love to know how much they have about me and what all they're selling selling for me. But if this Axiom report is any indication, even if I do get the data from Verizon, it's going to be like, well, here's some a little bit of metadata and like, yeah, we know a lot of stuff, but like, we're not going to tell you who we sold it to. Or we're not going to tell you the specific data that we sold. Or we're not going to provide you with all the documents that we have about you. Yeah. So I, I think it's not just a losing battle. I think it's a loss battle. And the reason why... Drew, is- you're always such a positive force in these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I, don't, I haven't even drank my, you know, my second cup of coffee yet. We're not even going yet. <laughs> the dystopian uh, downfall has not even, you know, rants haven't even started. Guys, uh, we're not full meta yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. Okay. Oh, God. Um, I think things like social credit score are are the reason why these things are going to be a losing battle, if not already lost for us. Right. We, there, there are a few like test places that are doing tests of social credit here in the U S. Um, we know social credit scores are full effect in China, though that doesn't really affect us. Um, it does in the sense that people are like, Hey, this might be good, right? Like we, we could, uh, we could implement this here. And this would be a good thing for us. And there are more and more people who are wishing to have a system to hold more and more people accountable for things that they want people to be held accountable for. Things that in the end of the day don't really matter to 90% of the people in the world, but they matter to, you know, the, the vocal minority and that's what they want. So... With things like social credit scores and and stuff like that coming and gaining more steam and more people wanting to have those implemented, I think it is a lost battle already. I think there are the number of people who want a system like that is already too great. And it'd be nice if we could have, you know, things controlled on the individual level. But most people don't care, right? Most people... They don't want to control things like that on the individual level. They don't. They they just want to live their life, right? They want to watch their their TikTok videos, and they they really don't care uh, about a lot of these things. In fact, I bet you if we if we look at most the people, most of the requests are going to be people that fit into similar categories of us three, right? They're not going to be like my mom's not making this request, right? My brothers aren't making these requests. Um, it is a very limited subset. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't try. I'm saying that there are forces that may have already been in play for decades that will be 
nearly impossible to change um, because we keep on electing the same type of people, right? We keep on electing people who are um, okay with going with the flow instead of trying to cause sometimes of disruption, right? Uh, we elect non-populist candidates and with that, we're not going to get a ton of um, stuff in the end. Like you could have all these privacy laws, but then there's going to be carve outs for social credits and stuff like that. So that's what I think with privacy. People will abuse it as much as they can to make as much money as they can to then dictate what gets sold to you as fast as possible. Right. Chris gave the example of that 25% off coupon with ice cream. Yeah, that would work so well on me. I'd be like, damn, 25%? Can I walk this same route like three times a day and get 25% off each time? <laughs> right? So, it it is a, it's difficult. And it's going to be difficult because you do have the lobbyists on the other side that have, for all intents and purposes, nearly unlimited money to fight against this because... If you allow more data to be collected and kept, the more things that they can sell you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, data collection by the government is scary. Data collection by corporations uh, is the same level of scary, in my opinion. So I agree with that. And it, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to these people are companies have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders to make money. Like, that's it. They're just making money. And if mm -hmm. they can make money selling you ice cream, they're going to do that. And that's fine. And that's expected behavior. Um, but, you know, maybe ice cream as a service, ice cream every day isn't good for you. I think the, the, the main thing that my objection hinges on is informed consent. Like, if you want to be given all the, if, if the cost is I get no meaningful privacy in my life, um, and the benefit is your life becomes much easier because you're getting ice cream coupons and you're um, getting like really nicely targeted ads to things that you really care about and all that. And it's like you made that decision, then fantastic. Yeah, great. Like if, if you think that your privacy is worth, like all of your privacy is worth um, these benefits, then that is your right to make that decision. But the bone that I have to pick is like, I never agreed to that. And I know, I don't know who these companies are and I don't know how they got the data about me. Um, and I never consented to this dystopian future that they have built for us. Um, like it is not the, yeah. <laughs> the joke that I commonly use is like, this is not the dystopian future that I was promised. I wanted a different dystopian future. Um, but the, <laughs> the, the selling of private human experience um, for money, like, yes, it is It is what is an economically incentivized, but man, I, it's not that I disagree that it's like maybe this fight is already lost. Um, I think that that's a reasonable perspective to take. I just can't, I, I just can't make sense of that in my mind. Like if we have already lost this thing where it's like we, we are effectively in the matrix at that point. Like if, if you're saying that it's like, yes, human behavior is easy to control in mass, um, because of the ways that we can nudge people to do things um, at, at scale, given given smartphones and, and ad tech and 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 you know surveillance capitalism, um, that there is an argument to be made that that is effectively like, well, you're you as a human are just a money machine, and there are really smart things that can really outsmart you that will get you to spend money in specific ways. Like that's it's not that big of a jump to say like this is the matrix. It's just a shittier version of the Matrix. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think we'll, I think it will be more like the Matrix when everyone is, um, or or even in ten percent of the population is yep <sighs> in VR, right? Like I have for a long, long time thought like VR is is one hundred percent the future, but it also I think it is one hundred percent. Like what is going to make things way worse for humanity and people who want like that individual mindset and in general, um, you know, there, there's lots of companies, there's, there's lots of companies. We all used to live in Georgia, right? Yeah. Um, here I am doxing ourselves yeah. on a privacy 
Uh, yeah, thanks, but, Drew. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a matter of public record, though. Um, but uh, we uh, we all used to live in Georgia, and there were a lot of companies um, who were there designing VR chat rooms um, as startups. And, uh, you know, I, I got to see some of these VR chat rooms uh, when I was there. And, yeah, I can totally see how some people are just going to get sucked into this. Right. Yeah. If if they yeah. can go and visit their friends in VR, right? You're literally going to see people not buying a couch at their house and buying a couch in VR instead yep. for their VR yep. apartment. Right. Why and, would I do that um, when I could buy an ape though? When you can what? Buy an ape NFT. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, t- we should do an we should do an episode on <laughs> NFTs. Uh <laughs> okay. I'm down. Uh, I uh, have one more thing to say on um, privacy and whether or not it's lost or not. So uh, I think my perspective at this point is the information that we've already shared and that's out there, there's no take backsies. It's gone. And companies will be able to influence influence us using that data. And it, there's not much we can do about that. But going forward into the future we can stop sharing as much data. And I think just being generally aware of how advertising works and influence campaigns in general will be helpful. Because, I mean, ad tech really is just a subset of influence campaigns. Yep, right. Yep, yep. Well, the I agree with that to some extent. I think the right to be forgotten is a step in the right direction towards that. Like, you can get the data to be deleted. But again, the only data that they're going to delete is the same stuff that they would send you in the download your data package. And it's woefully inadequate um, in comparison to like, you know, one of the big things that you can do with data is when you get it, you use it to train a model and then you can throw the data out because like you actually extracted all the value you needed out of that data. Um, mm-hmm. be, so, so, yes, we will be not be able to unwind the artificial intelligence and machine learning stuff that has happened as a result of that data being collected. Um, but I am bullish on well potentially overly optimistically bullish on uh the potential impact that we can that we can have uh, if we have the right legislation um because like there is also you could absolutely come up with legislation that says like yeah and by the way you also have to unwind the machine learning model and be like that's not possible it's like figure it out because i'll tell you what if there's any company that could figure it out it's these multi-billion dollar per year revenue like we have a research department full of the world's best machine learning engineers entities like yes you can figure that out you could absolutely figure out a way to build machine learning models in a way that you could extract like the inferences built from a single individual it is possible to do it is technologically possible to do it's a pain in the ass but i'll tell you what things being a pain in the ass because companies have built objectionable business models is not should not be the problem of individual consumers Mm-hmm. How about how about if you can't take it out, you have to throw away the the whole machine? Ooh, right? see, I love it. That's the sort of oh, thing where yeah. it's like then yeah. then you'll have great innovation in the machine learning <laughs> space because it's like we don't want right. to do that. Yep. yep, they'll be like, oh my gosh, we have suddenly figured out a way to do this overnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, the, we're 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 getting long on time here, and this has been a bit of a um, rambling episode. Like the so we're we're trying something new for season four where we're doing things a bit more freeform and just kind of like shooting the shit as a few friends that care about similar things. But I think the 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 takeaways that I would leave you with and and boys jump in and and add anything that you want here is like privacy is a human right. Everybody should have it, and it's more valuable than a lot of people think. I would argue. The whole surveillance capitalism industry, like, look, I do get served really relevant ads. I do, like, like, there's clear benefit to a lot of the stuff that happens. The main objection that I have is it's not informed consent and clawing back your data and clawing back all of the inferences and stuff that have been made about you is not presently possible. We have privacy regulation. We have privacy regulation that is in some lights meaningful. But there's a long way to go towards holding these companies accountable. And we need to we need to iterate. We aren't there yet. And as of right now, the deck is stacked against consumers and individual privacy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good good summary. 
Well, nothing we've to had add. A lot of battles lost, but yeah, we have yeah. to stay optimistic. We can still win. <laughs> yeah, for for all of our users, if you live in the state of California or you live in the European Union, or even if you don't, um, I would recommend that you attempt to exercise the rights provided to individuals protected by these different regulations. Because um, in a lot of cases, these companies, it proving where somebody is and then acting differently based upon it isn't really feasible. Um, so for instance, there's this like patchwork of new privacy regulations that are going through the stages of being formed right now in various states in the United States. And I'll tell you what, a company is not going, in most cases, a company is not going to be able to be like, ah, we know that this individual lives in this state. That means that it's this data that we need to take together and give them whatever, like they have different rights based on the state that they live in. So what they'll most likely do is take the most stringent regulation and then fit that one and then just afford those privileges to everybody else. Like you can very much download your data on most social media platforms without living in a state um, or in a place that is protected. Um, so like I would recommend taking a look at the list of data brokers out there. You can see it on the California Attorney General website, submitting requests to as many of these as possible to delete your data or download your data. Download your data is really hairy. They're going to try to stop you. They're going to like make it a pain in the ass to actually follow through. But deleting your data is at least meaningful. Um and yeah, like just because you don't live in one of these two places, in a lot of cases, you're going to be able to exercise these rights just because it's such an obnoxious process on the company's side to figure out like, should you actually fulfill this request or not? Like the, the, the operational overhead and figuring that out just isn't worth the time. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us for um, yet another episode, this time on, on privacy and GDPR and CCPA. Uh, we hope you have found it informative and with, with any luck, maybe we motivated you to exercise your rights or lack thereof under these regulations. Uh, take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Security Explained. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for new topics that our audience finds interesting and you might be able to pick our next show. Feel free to reach out via social media or give us a rating on your listening platform to let us know how we're doing. You can find us on the web at securityexplained.fm or on Twitter at SecExplained. Thanks again, and until next time, stay safe.